Dark Ball Z and Donnie B. Today's going to be an interesting one. We got Star Wars Episode 1 Phantom Menace, which is probably one of the more boring ones. Because it's not going to uh, happen. Yeah, in some <laughs> ways. Well, I mean, it, it's just crazy because, um, I mean, visually, it was. I mean, because they started using all the CG, so. Oh, yeah, it didn't look which like it controversy. was in Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I think it was a. I mean, it's an obvious huge step up. But. Well, you yeah. Know. I mean, if you hadn't watched the original ones, this is the one that kind of brought Star Wars back into the uh, limelight. Right, but it also had the distinction of being kind of slow with the uh, progression of the storyline, kind of. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it it had to start adding all the political stuff, so that's definitely part of it. Absolutely, you know. It, it seemed more of a like because the, the the original trilogy was just like right you got this farm boy whatever and then there's a good and a bad and then that's it but in this one there's all, all this oh the, this trade federation and you know droid armies and shit so yeah and at this point we actually see Obi-Wan when he's young and his master, Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, it was really cool, actually, because you see them kind of, you know, stealth moving through that Trade Federation ship or whatever. Um, you see them do some crazy lightsaber stuff that you don't get to see in the original trilogy. Taking out droids and uh, even force powers, like when they use force speed and, like, shot down that hallway. Yeah. That's a new one. And then, of course, Qui-Gon sticking the lightsaber in that those blast doors and, like, just slowly melting through it. That was That's cool. That's to see a lightsaber actually used for once. Um, right. Yeah, that was a big thing. Like, the, the fights definitely stepped up from, you know, 60-year-old men. <laughs> um, there are some... Things like, okay, so the Phantom Menace is supposed to take place like 32 years before episode 4 mm-hmm. when the Republic was still strong. And, well, strong is... More prominent, I guess. Uh, yeah. On its way out, so mm-hmm. to speak. And you find out about the, you know, basically the Origins of how the Republic fell. Um, Darth Sidious, the Dark Lord of the Sith, and his very, I guess, well-executed plan that didn't seem to, I guess, make a lot of sense when you see it from the beginning because there's a lot of political maneuvering, yeah. having the uh, Trade Federation blockade Naboo and then them telling them, telling the Queen of Naboo, oh yeah, because the Senate told us to do that. It was like, mm-hmm. why, why would they tell you to do that? 
I think like the, <laughs> the, the easiest term that I've seen it used as was that Palpatine's like the master of camping tactics. He's just camping out the whole time, setting up all these little things yeah. that keep building up. And when everything goes bad, you know, everybody else gets screwed except him. Mm-hmm. He ends up like, you know, the uh, the guy that comes out on top. So there's like this whole back and forth of, you know, who's on first yeah. <laughs> between the Trade Federation and Queen Amidala, who, you know, was trying to basically run her, well, the entire planet. You know, of course, the Trade Federation's being dicks. You know, they got their Troy army ready to go at any time. Yeah, she was like, what, uh, like 14 trying to run a planet? I don't know what kind of people are well, in charge. I mean, <laughs> honestly, when you think of like, uh, well, I don't know about ancient, but like, the old days, back when kings used to be young like that, you know? It's not totally unheard of, but... Yeah, but that was like maybe a kingdom, not a whole planet. I don't... I mean, look, <laughs> it's just different scales. Extremely I mean. different scales. I don't think people... But, uh, you know, even... I mean, she seemed to be doing pretty all right. I mean, yeah, she's, she's, I guess for her age, uh, I guess she was actually holding it up mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, well, I guess the big thing in this movie was, like, okay, how do we take this Darth Vader character and turn the clock way back? Like, just because, obviously with the prequel series... George had to say, all right, like, what happened that turned Anakin into Vader? So, well, this essentially starts out as a typical origin story. So, you know, as most origin stories go, it's not really all that, I guess, interesting. Um, no, I mean, it's a, unfortunate the, the place he was put into. Um, well, we have that the Anakin's origin story is he was a slave mm. on Tatooine <laughs> the most backwater horrible desert planet and now you see more of why it's just why a little Tatooine weird sucks. that they chose to <laughs> keep Luke on Tatooine like oh it's not a great planet no even if you're hiding out I would still pick somewhere else. There's so many planets to choose from. I don't really understand like, why it, he thought. Oh, it's this. dangerous for bounty hunters to be there, let alone just little boys. Right. So he was a slave alongside his mother mm. to this junk dealer, I guess, Watto. No father, of course. No father, because that's the type of statement we're trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a single mother, you're gonna be enslaved. Yeah. <laughs> to some aliens, and he's like, "Oh, he he's good at mechanics and piloting." Somehow, at the age of what, like ten? <laughs> yeah. Built a protocol droid. Built C three PO. Yeah. Big reveal there. I always wonder, like, he must have built it from a schematic 
because there are other, you know, uh, yeah, protocols. It's not like he came up so. with it all on his right. own. Like somebody else. I mean, it's impressive, I guess, to build one, but for a kid, yes. Yeah. I'm pretty and sure all the other kids that. were doing that. I mean, I guess the one thing is. Uh, the, the, the two actors that obviously were given the hardest time coming out of this were, you know, Kid Anakin's actor and then Jar Jar's actor. And while I see, you well, know, why people may have had an issue, like, they just came down way too hard. Well, yeah, it's not the actor's fault that the characters were written the way they were written. Right. Uh, Anakin is introduced in a very random way. In this thing, they just happen to have to go to Tatooine because yeah. their hyperdrive is messed up, yeah. and they happen to come across this kid that works at this junk shop, so they can find the parts, but they don't have the right money. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, this is the first we ever hear of any prophecy, right? Ever. We hear about some crop prophecy about you know chosen one, but Anakin enters the pod race so he can get them money so they can get off the planet. Mind you, they've got the queen with them in tow. So right, who I guess... You forced know. to like run off from her planet with these Jedi who are supposed to like find out what the hell is going on because even the Senate doesn't know what's going on. And she goes, ends up going to this crappy backwater planet and just meeting this random kid. And Qui-Gon ends up, you know, orchestrating a gambling... You know, uh, he bets on the race or whatever for Anakin's freedom, but not his mom. Because, right. you know. <laughs> I mean, he tried to, Quion tr- did try to, you know, make that part of the deal. But he was like, nope. Or, you know, could have just took her. <laughs> how, I much, mean, how much more trouble well, you want to get in? It's a lawless backwater planet. What is this flying little monkey going to do? Uh, well, yeah, but it's also a planet that Jabba the Hutt's aware of. So, like... And he's gonna care about sleep. I mean, look, <laughs> I if, just, if he may, somehow makes a big enough deal out of like not keeping to a deal or something, he could probably get bounty hunter or something. I feel like if it doesn't benefit Jabba the Hutt, he doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, Watto could still hire somebody. I not guess that I feel like he'd get that far, but <laughs> and and he's a junk dealer. How much money does he have to hire anybody? Not enough. It's just ridiculous. So he's going to, you know, win the race, leave his mother behind in slavery while he goes off with these guys because, you know, Qui-Gon senses the force in him and then, you know, gives him a uh, very controversial blood test and Uh, finds out that they're Medichlorians, the thing that disrupted the Star Wars fan base in absolute anger. Because how dare you take something like the Force and make it anything other than mystical by I making mean, it scientific? I didn't mind it so much, but like considering that the midichlorians, they basically said they're living things, so it's just part of the Force. Um, it's a way to detect whether you have the Force. I mean, considering that whether people were Force sensitive or not was already kind of seemingly random all this is really is putting a name to it so, so I guess it, for me anyway it didn't really matter all that much I guess not um, 
and then obviously kind of backing up with prophecy things like oh this his count is higher than master yoda's like what yeah just conveniently <laughs> well i mean considering you know the reasons for his birth and inception it does make sense which have been called into question now yeah it's still being debated i like i think now they're starting to lean more towards palpatine having pulled the strings Boo. and plagueis is just not even part of it anymore Boo. yeah <laughs> i always liked it better with plagueis they, they, the they're, they're doing too much with plagueis i, I mean uh, with the uh, palpatine he, mm -hmm. I, i'm supposed to believe this guy's just doing everything like he, you know, like I always say, he's got this like Xehanort level of foresight. Yeah, just uh, like <laughs> doing too much is now a thing because, come on, he can't be everything. He like he couldn't possibly know things that were going to unfold decades, you know, later. Like, it's just there's so many problems there. Although. Plenty of good things, I think, in this movie. Um, I mean, I enjoyed the, the graphics upgrade. Well, practical effects can be good. Uh, I mean... Amidala's costumes. Very elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. Very Asian-inspired, I think. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, they, st they still did, like, costuming and shit, so not everything was, you know... The bigger problem was, I think a lot of people didn't like, obviously, Jar Jar Binks. Because yeah, well. you might know, add somebody in there who's not particularly intelligent, may have good intentions, but is even an outcast among his own people, and he doesn't really add anything but slapstick and being the Scooby-Doo uh, yeah, I mean, shaggy. I kind of get the need for some comedic relief, especially given that you know the prequels are more politically based, or at least one and two. Um, so uh, besides the Jedi action, which we do get more of by the end, because uh, I mean Maul was huge. Um, still, one of the most iconic moments. Um, but. When I first saw episode one, and then the times after that, I never really mind Jar Jar very much. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't see the hate. <laughs> I didn't hate him. I just found him annoying. That's the difference. <laughs> uh, I didn't yeah, want him yeah. to, like, die or anything crazy like that. I just didn't understand what the purpose was, because, like, mm. I understand that the whole thing is dry but I don't know I felt like they just went too far with it and you know it kind of kind of felt like you know he just found himself in situations where just things just happen to work out in his favor yeah still I mean <laughs> you know regardless of where you fall around his character like I'm the best deserve better like really the, the fit like I, I won't say all the fans but the ones who t 
took this kind of patron thing and just took it way too far. Yeah. Well, he's the he's an actor. He did a good job. He played the part how you know how he needed to. Um, yeah. it's, it's just a shame that you know people will drive uh, actors to dark places like that. But yeah. Um, the but you got introduced to his people. Oh yeah, the Gungans were pretty the cool. Gungans. Their underwater like city was awesome. Yeah, underwater city, amphibious, and they live side by side with the Naboo and are forced to come together to fight the Fae the Trade Federation. Right. And of course... I guess they haven't always seen eye to eye. Right. Um, But they make a huge stand with the Grand Gungan Army against the Trade Federation Droid Army, and they are not one to be played with. Yeah, no, they were... They've got a pretty good... uh, Army. I mean, they were being worn a little bit thin towards the end, but, yeah, but obviously then Anakin's shenanigans catch up to it. Yes, and he just so happens to take out the droid ship, controlling them all. Let's try spinning. That's a good move. And, you know, because that's how that works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to see a lot of... Uh, the planet of Blue is very scenic. I gotta imagine R2 could fly that thing plenty proficiently, even without Anakin's inputs. Well, I so, don't understand the, the purpose of an astromech droid. Because it's like, okay, are you flying the ship, or are you just navigation system, and why isn't there a navigation well, system Well, I think it's in? probably both, but like, if the pilot decides, you know, they want to engage autopilot, then I would imagine the droid could just take over. I guess we are supposed I mean, to assume that is really what the situation is. Mm. Um, but beyond that, we have the infamous fight scene in the hangar bay with no other than the infamously popular Dark Maul. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that Dark Maul is probably one of the most popular Dark Lords of the Sith mm. out there. Behind Darth Vader, and definitely, I feel he's like above Darth Sidious only because Darth Sidious is consistently forced down our throats, and I don't know that anybody actually Uh, likes him as a character as opposed to him just being there orchestrating stuff. It's like I would say more so uh, in the prequels. I, I liked him more as a character than. I mean, you really don't see him much in the original trilogy, and he's just kind of this dark hooded figure, like, oh, it's the bad guy. So, you know, yeah. um, I mean, I, I really like what uh, Ian McDermott did with him, um, especially in episode three, but it's interesting seeing this kind of, like, just this normal politician. Evolving through the movies. 
Yeah, showing true colors. But this is probably the first taste of somebody, uh, Dark Lord of Sith, being active. Because let's be honest, Darth Vader isn't really that active. He yeah, walks around and force of people, and he just, <laughs> right. you know, uh, whatever. Another case of 60-year-old men not really right. cutting um, it. Of but, course, in Rogue One, you see him move a little more. But yes, but in... in uh, yeah, no, Maul... Maul had the ever so popular double bladed lightsaber. Oh yeah. That people weren't ready for. Cause they well, didn't that know. and just you know being as acrobatic as he was, and then duel of the fates behind the whole fight was just the icing on the cake. Right. Still one of the best you know fight songs in the series. Between him and Obi Wan and Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah. Between you know the shield, shield uh, wall things that yeah, protected the reactor and stuff. I just yeah, thought that was weird. Yeah, it's like that was really weird. Why would you was, build was, that? That's that something they were trying to protect, and that's some sort of kind of security measure or something. I feel like that was. And if it was, why would it go off and back on again? Yeah, it's supposed to be like the generator room, and I'm just like, this seems very dangerous for a generator room. Like, you usually keep the engine somewhere protected, yes, but that just well, seems that, very complex. If, if Maul fell down that pit, then obviously, you know, he survives, but like, how? I mean, you don't know he survives it by the end of this movie, but. <laughs> like it's been, it's been a while I think you know how, how would he I mean and then of course he gets cut in half so right I, well you know which is he should not well, be alive I'll, I'll get to my my you know theories on Mace once we get to episode 3 but uh, uh, yeah I mean yeah Maul had a really cool design obviously we didn't know anything about uh, his species for the most part at that point. Except for what? The one other guy in the council? Which we didn't know. <laughs> because <laughs> there you know, they don't tell us the names of these species. Ithorian Zavricks in the council. Different times, I think different movies. It's two, maybe one or two, or two or three, something like that. It's definitely but there somewhere. He's Although I guess But the, of course they have different horn arrangements, so yeah. you wouldn't have said that He's the exact same thing, and of course his face was painted. Right, right. So it makes well, it hard to the, the one guy that was on the council seems like the Zabrak variety, whereas Maul seems like the Dathomirian offshoot. Uh, or at least that's how I understood it. it. Well, of course, not that any of this matters, because who knows what's canon now. <laughs> it's It's complicated kind of like how they went out their way to make Boba Fett complicated when it comes to being Mandalorian uh, or not and I mean now it's kind of fixed with you know some of the more recent comics that have come out yeah so now it's just straight up like this is what it is so that's kind of nice yeah they're they're trying to clean up what 
they themselves are messed up. But um, also in this one, we see the the death of Qui Gon Jinn, but his legacy lives on because even though the council was against him taking Anakin as a apprentice because Anakin is one too old and his future is cloudy and they sense too much fear in him. So Yoda and them already knew like, eh. And at yeah. first when they got information because they ran into Darth Maul not really knowing who he was right. on uh, Tatooine. So when they got back to the Jedi Council, Jedi Council didn't really know what to make of the whole situation because by their recollection, everything that they're saying, this guy might be a Sith, but how is that possible? The Sith don't exist anymore. Or do they? Which they saw. Because <laughs> they clearly they don't, haven't been paying enough attention. They haven't been watching the movies. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. They, they didn't have the space balls thing going on where you could put the tape in. That seemed to be the, the issue there, but we also get to see uh, Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, Samuel Jackson's a uh, Jedi. And so, then obviously episode two really takes that to, to another level, but... Because you have to. I, well, yeah. <laughs> He's, you know... There's, um, I mean, it, it was really cool to see. I mean, I even liked some of the world building that using CG allowed them to do in this movie um, you know we were in that little submarine making their way to the Gungan city like you see all these giant fish and everything yeah and, and this like big leopard fish thing plentiful with water in the water world yeah that the Gungans traditionally live in even though they could probably live above water too but it was cool just like the kind of you know, you walk into the side of the bubbles and suddenly you can breathe. It's cool. That's a form of advanced technology you don't typically see in Star Wars up until that point because you're mm -hmm. usually on some backwater planet. Or right, but we're really even advanced know. on Tatooine, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell, the sand crawler was probably one of the more advanced things. <laughs> it's... it's a big van. I, yeah, yeah. Let's just call it what it is. It's a giant van. I, I it don't is. know. It is. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a small van. Not, like, not a minivan either. It's like one of those old school vans that young people get used to get kidnapped in back in the day. What, like the white, the white vans? Yes. <laughs> the white vans where somebody pulls up alongside you, door pops open, they take you and you're never seen again. Mm. That's what the Jawas do, but with broken technology. Unless you can <laughs> trade. Unless you can trade. Because they're not trying to keep you, they're just trying right. to sell you. You, you got to trade your uh, least favorite child for the one they took. Right, well, you, know, <laughs> you got to trade your laptop or, or something like that. They don't deal with people. Now, the Tuscan I mean, Raiders I will kidnap you. And well, I don't know what the purpose of that is because Tuscan Raiders don't like anybody and they sure as hell ain't ransoming you, so why are they kidnapping anybody? Maybe they eat them. Uh, you know, like... We don't know their dietary habits. 
I feel like that is racist. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. Why are we assuming I'm, that they're cannibals? <laughs> well, they're not. They're a different species. Okay. Why are we assuming that they eat sentient beings? I mean, we don't know enough about their culture. It seems culturally insensitive. Just saying. I, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> uh, of course, we, we do learn a little bit more about them in The Mandalorian, so that's kind of nice. Hey, but gonna get me people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just racist against people. Wow. Racist against uh, Tuscan Raiders. I mean, they, they were... <laughs> It was interesting watching them shoot at the pods when they were racing too. Nothing else better. Fuck your race. Nothing else better to do. Like literally, you're just going out your way to be a dick. Like I mean, this planet sucks. I I gotta imagine. It's hot. There's like multiple suns, and you're shooting at people and kidnapping people. I can imagine they're having this race like run through some of their territory. I feel like that's not that Java cares (laughs) about that, but. I feel that's like like that's not the case. I feel like Tuscan Raiders are just like we're gonna be dicks because that's what we do, that's our yeah, job here. Because you know, I mean that's the picture that was painted to them at that time. So though I don't know that they eat people. <laughs> I don't know what they eat. Who knows? I mean they. Well, we'll get to what they do with stuff in episode two, but. Uh, yeah, they, I mean it was interesting to see more different species of it, I guess. Or at least more of some of the ones we saw in the original trilogy. Right. And we... Like the little Greedo kid. Take into account that uh, Darth Sidious, who, as Dark Lord of the Sith, manipulating all these stuff behind scenes, was also Sheev Palpatine, the, at the time, the censor, senator for the Jamel sector, which is mm-hmm. where he's from Naboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's basically, and he told the Trade Federation to go there to do this. So I'm like, you're kind of setting his own planet up so he can get sympathy for his next part of the plan. So it's just yeah, like, but it kind of doesn't matter. He's got his eyes on the galaxy, so his planet alone is probably just nickel and diamond. I mean, at the end of the day, it's after bigger things. Well, so we got a whole lot in there, I think, with the epic lightsaber battle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. Liam Neeson there one minute, Liam Neeson going the next. Yeah. And so he went off to Although, uh, Obi-Wan and Maul's actors, just they, they were on that. It's funny is the little tidbits of the behind the scenes is that when after Maul stabs Qui-Gon and then Obi-Wan finally gets in there, they were fighting so swiftly and quickly that the footage in the movies actually slowed down a little bit. Just a tad. Because they were just like just fighting, blazing fast speed. Even the thing where he's like blocks him behind him and then in front of him real quick. Yeah. They were in, they were they trained real well for that, but you also get to see uh, Palpatine's or Sidious's plan coming to fruition because when 
they initially leave Naboo and go to Coruscant in the first place, he meets up with Amidala and uh, he's basically one of the senators corrupt. They plan to do anything bad in there. They're not going to help you. And he didn't even have to manipulate that situation. It's just general, typical politics made it certain that she wasn't going to get any help for something they should have had control over. Mm. And they didn't have any control. They couldn't fix the situation. And she was more concerned about helping her people. And he kind of manipulated her into putting a vote of no confidence in for the current Supreme Chancellor of the uh, Senate. Uh, Basically, you just set him up to get taken out. <laughs> and therefore, allowing Palpatine to become one of the candidates to be the new, you know, new guy in charge. Mm-hmm. Who is not going to, nobody can suspect him because he's such a diligent and kind man. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, behind these scenes, he's like, screw Valorum in particular. Yes, considering that, you know, Valorum's trying his best, but the thing is, is that the of the Senate was not the doing of Palpatine or anybody else. It was just too big, too much authority, and everybody was just in it for themselves. Politics sucked, basically. Regular stuff. That's what people do, and they use this show to show you that even when it's not just humans, that even when it's a whole group of different races and aliens and different worlds and different cultures and different languages, People still can't get nothing right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Ego is not limited to just humanity. <laughs> Everybody wants something for themselves, and nobody wants to give up. No. So, uh, yeah, I believe that was the uh, Phantom Menace. I would say overall, I mean, I really enjoyed it when I first saw it. And even still, it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah. I, not I mean, my absolute favorite, but... no. Yeah, not only that, but I, I, I think, I mean, uh, there's, there's like a whole overarching thing, you know, I have about Anakin's character in the prequels, and that, like, obviously Hayden Christensen wasn't in this one, but um, both him and the kid actor, they just, people just give them both a lot of black, and it's like, listen, you're a kid, you're born on this shitty planet, no father, you're a slave. Like, you have, like, you have people who I guess he, maybe he calls friends, but I would say not so much. Because, like, when he's about to do that pod race and he's fixing his pod, they're like, oh, you're never going to be able to do it, Annie. Like, oh, great, great, great friend. I, and I would love if that's Greedo. That would be the best. <laughs> it's not Greedo. <laughs> it's like, okay, so now we're just getting back into the race. Every Rodian looks alike. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that it would be interesting for... Yeah, it Because by the time you even see Greedo, it's episode four. So, like... <laughs> so, he grew up to be 
some guy Probably working for Java and I mean Han Solo had to shoot first. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Possibly. Who knows? I mean, look. Horrible. Java's <laughs> very much around Tatooine. You know, his palace is there. So. I think we can make some dreaming gods <laughs> where they don't exist. It would be interesting world building. Yeah, it would be interesting. And I think maybe what? He had the one kid that stuck behind after the others left that was like somewhat more supportive. Either way, he's got all these problems. And the only thing he knows how to do is, I guess, build and fix things or whatever. You know, nobody gives him the, any credit for anything. You know, people... I mean, nobody's nice on Tatooine, so... And his mother's being protective, of course, so it's like, oh, no, I don't want you to pod raise or whatever. So he's not doing anything he loves for the most part. Well... He's not uh, really growing up super great. So, at least for me... <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure there's no upside to oh my child is a slave it it makes sense that he wouldn't be like what people apparently must think he should have been you know I mean stunted development because you know he's a slave (laughs) well that's what I'm saying like everyone's like oh oh, he was such a bad you know character bad written character but I'm like he was a slave what did you want him to be (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think once you get into like two and three, there's kind of no excuse at that point. Well, the thing is with two and three. It's not like he just grew up from a slave and that was it. He had a structured, disciplined environment built well, to the thing raise is, him if up. That structure, and he was just if that structure doesn't cultivate someone right, it's just going to be against the <sighs> against the grain, you know? This is kind of why Yoda initially said no. <laughs> oh well, yeah. <laughs> but the thing, I, I, I really they don't knew think that this is. Look at this guy. I th- like. I think it makes sense for Anakin to be how he is in the prequels. You know what I mean? I, people are like, oh, Christian's acting, but I, I think he did just fine. The way this kid grew up, and the way he always feels that he's held back, and you know, obviously he started his training really late. Um, as opposed to normal younglings, it just all, all these things adding up to like this is what his character is. Uh, it's not. I don't think it was Hayden doing something wrong or something, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because if that was the case, people would see that in casting. <laughs> it's not like he's the only one who auditioned. I, I, like I said, tend not, to give not, him more credit than people do. It's not normally. only his fault, it's how the character was written. If he I think it makes to sense, get any credit for anything, it's for playing the character and how it was written. Um, you can, I think the real question is whether or not the character was written right. And that is just a complete conversation, but at episode yeah, well, two, we'll get more three, into that in two and three, but. Yeah, I would say episode one, uh, definitely, definitely good movie. Uh, again, maybe not uh, m- my favorite is episode three. So I mean, <laughs> but I-, I tend to lean more towards the prequels 
as opposed to the original trilogy anyway, just because, you know, I was alive for more of it, <laughs> I guess, as part of that. I like episode two and parts of episode three. Parts. Wow. I'd say two is pretty cool for most of the way. I mean, I saw three in theaters. That was the only one I got to see in theaters I besides the two new stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it basically, as far as the prequels go, it goes in ascending order of, my, of how much I liked it. So one, pretty good. Two, better. Three, better than that for me. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, that's our take on Phantom Menace. This has been Media Mob Episode 2. Yep. I've been Dark Wazzy. And I'm Donnie D, and we will see you next time. Adios.